0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 131. 131. So before we begin, please subscribe and share to the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. So, um... Now that uh, we're in episode 131, well, before I uh, go any further, uh, please keep me in your prayers. I've um, been uh, suffering a little bit of a ringing in my ears, lady. I don't know if it's uh, tinnitus or maybe it is tinnitus. It's difficult to figure that out. Some people call it pronounce it tinnitus but uh regardless what um it's kind of been a little uh hard to concentrate when you're trying to do a podcast but um well anyway uh just keep me keep me in your prayers uh i have an article uh today it's um from steve Skochek. he uh has a uh, uh kind of like, I guess you could call it apostolate. Um, I guess it is an apostolate, um, uh, called one Peter five. Uh, he has a YouTube channel and, uh, he's, uh, he's pretty good. I mean, he's very good in his, um, apologetics. Uh, he has a, this article is called against crippled religion against crippled religion. Um, I think he has a very, very good objective uh, view of things. He's, you know, he, um, I think he's a cautious individual, but I also think he's very straight on. He's very honest about uh, criticism of things. He kind of like, all right, on one hand. You have, let's say, let's say Michael Voris and Church Militant, and they're very direct on what they want to do. They want to clean up the mess in the church, and um, they want to get rid of the sexual deviance in the priesthood. They want to get rid of the corruption in the the hierarchy. Uh, the cardinals and the bishops who are covering up the sexual abuse uh, and they they want to bring it to the forefront they want to wake Catholics up and I think church militant is honest about that and I think they they're they're good about it um, it's a long fight it's a long long fight it's not going to happen overnight and Church militant is very faithful. They're faithful to the church's teachings. Um, they're faithful about a lot of things. And they expose a lot of, let's say, the, the sexual abuse. Both in the Novus Ordo camp, and they've also exposed the um, the sexual abuse in the traditional camp. Okay? Uh, like the, the Lefebvre movement. Uh, they've done a good job about that. And then you have those on, let's say the far side, the other side of the camp, the other side of the stage, you got the traditionalists. And a lot of the traditionalists, um, they, you know, they kind of belong to the Lefebvre movement. They kind of, you know, the, the, the traditional Latin mass movement, um, especially with that particular group, um, th- you know, they, that, I, I guess you can say, you know, the, uh, the Lefebvre camp, the camp that's so let's quote, that's excommunicated. I can't think of their name right now. Sorry. But the problem is, is that they reject everything. Uh, not to reject it, but the Vatican II, you know, they, you, you know, I mean, Chandler Marshall, I think, belongs to that camp. I'm quite certain that site News, um, they're faithful to it. And a lot of the things, everyone is, is honest, but there's also a lot of, unfortunately, nobody wants to touch upon. You know, you, not everything that came out from Vatican II is completely wrong. I mean, I don't believe it is. I think the problem is, is the way, the, the way it's been interpreted in most cases. And I think sko, sko, uh Skocek, Steve Skovic, is right in the middle. I kind of believe that he expresses what someone like me feels like. I can't just pick up and go find a Latin mass and I'm not going to go to a group that hasn't addressed the sexual abuse crisis. You got Michael Matt, you got Taylor Marshall, uh, you got a few other groups that are there that just, I think in most cases are sort of cut, got themselves in a pickle and you don't want to undermine yourself. And then you don't want to also, I think with all honesty, yes. There might be a free Masonic movement. There might be a secret society in the church. Like, like take Taylor Marshall said, like Dr. Taylor Marshall, uh, uh, approaches in his book, um, infiltration. And I believe all that is true, but the ordinary Catholic does not have access always to a good parish. The ordinary Catholic does not have access to these to to, or the ability to just pick up and leave. You can't just quit your job and go who knows where and expect to support your family, um you know or or pay the bills. I mean, especially now. Look at look at the way things are now with the economy. After the whole COVID-19 shutdown, what do you expect a a family to do? Oh, if you have to go far to a Latin mass, you have to sacrifice. you got no choice. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. And that is absolutely, with all honesty, let's say it, stupid. Also, reckless. Catholics cannot just pick uh, a family cannot just 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 a man can't just leave his 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 job uh, if he has a mortgage if he has medical bills uh, if you don't have a job waiting for you it's reckless and stupid all right and at the same time we have to address the elephant in the room. Corruption in the clergy. Corruption in the clergy can happen both in the Novus Ordo and it can happen in the Trinitine Mass or the traditional Latin Mass. We know it has happened. We know there are scandals. And you cannot say it to a man, a responsible person who is the head of the family, or even the wife, both of them. That they have to pick up, and go, to, uh, d- disrupt their lives, and find a traditional Latin mass. Let's say, with the possibility that they don't, they they may not be a job, or the possibility that there might be abuse. They have to, they have to be responsible. You can't, and also. Father Ripperter just gave a, uh, a fantastic um, critique, let's say criticism, on the traditional Latin Mass camp. Uh, all tradition, but empty of virtue. Empty of the Holy Spirit. That's something that needs to be addressed because a lot of latin mass people act like they got all they have all the truth but there is no um there's no christ in them going to a latin mass doesn't mean you're holy going to a traditional latin mass doesn't mean you're pure of heart many of them don't live the gospel life they don't they, they don't preach from my experience and from a friend of mine told me they're pretty cold they're pretty cold and they're pretty indifferent and that's something I'm I'm very happy father Rippiker said that in one of his um one of his critiques recently his homilies and this is something that he's been really hitting upon among the Latin mass people because they don't they don't show the Spirit. They don't, they don't show the joy of the Gospel. They don't show the joy of Jesus Christ in their lives. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You don't see them putting a lot of ads, do you? You don't see them like, you know, putting uh YouTube videos to try to teach people about the Latin Mass. You don't see them uh expressing that. A lot of times they're just, you know, they're, they're pretty much about the ritual but not about about substance of of holiness. And this is something that has to be addressed. It seriously has to be addressed because you don't see them. You don't see a lot of stuff on traditional Latin mass. Yeah, they may show the mass and everything, but there's no apologetics. There's no joy. You don't see many... um, You don't see apostles, people trying to advertise it. It's just like it's like they want to keep it to themselves and that's all it is i mean it's true all right let's um let's begin with this article uh against crippled religion let's just say a prayer to the Blessed Mother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a Latin Mass. I'm just saying that it's, it's. you should be wise about it and responsible. And I think the people who are telling us to go to a landmass are not really being considerate of other people's situation. All right, let's begin. All right, let's begin. The, The consequences of having your rational intellect divorce in some way from your being, divorce enough so that it actually questions the utility of your being. It is not a good thing. It's really not a good thing because it's it manifests itself not only in individual psychopath pathologies, but also in social psychopathologies. That's this uh, pro- pro- proclivity of people to get tangled up in ideologies. And I really do think, Of them as crippled religions that's the right way to think about them they're like religion that's missing an arm and a leg but can still hobble along it provides a certain amount of security and group identity but it's warped and twisted and demented and bent and it's a parasite on something underlying that's a rich that's rich and true I think it's very important that we sort out this problem. I think that there isn't anything more important that needs to be done than that. I've thought that for a long, long time, probably since the early 80s, when I started looking at the role that belief system played in regulating psychological and social health, you can tell that they do that because of how upset people get if you challenge their belief systems. Why the hell do they care exactly? What difference does it make if all your ideological axioms are 100% correct? People get unbelievably upset when you poke them in the axioms, so to speak. And it's not by any stretch of the imagination uh, obvious way. Why? There's A fundamental truth that's standing on, that they're standing on. It's like they're on a raft in the middle of the ocean. You're starting to pull out the logs and they're afraid they're going to fall in and drown. Drown in what? What are the logs protecting them from? Why are they so afraid to move beyond the confines of the ideological system? these are not obvious things. I've been trying to puzzle that out for a long time. This is a this part here is a quote from Jordan Peterson. He's quoting here. Let me read it again. Okay. This is the part where it begins. People get unbelievably upset when you poke them in the axioms, so to speak. And it's not by any stretch of the imagination. Obvious, obvious why there's a fundamental truth that they're standing on. It's like they're on a raft in the middle of the ocean. They're starting to pull out the logs and they're afraid they're going to fall in and drown. Drown in what? What are the logs protecting them from? Why are they so afraid to move beyond the confines of the the ideological system? These are not obvious things. I've been trying to puzzle that out for a very long time. Jordan Peterson, I don't like getting... Now, now we're getting into Sculchek's words. I don't like getting overly personal because I don't like making things, uh, making things about me. I much prefer to ponder ideas than to constantly make myself a reference point. When we talk about things that have happened to us, particularly negative things, some people naturally recoil. Here's the things. Here, here, here are the things experience experience change experiences change us experiences create our stories and I have a story to tell right now that if I'm being honest is very difficult for me it's about something I'm just starting to understand about my own life and it requires a level of vulnerability that even I a guy who has been doing online confessional writing for nearly two decades and don't feel comfortable with with but it's important it's fundamental to who i am where i'm going and whether or not you might choose to continue to listen to anything else i have to say and if you're struggling with anything like the same things i'm i am maybe you need to hear uh maybe you need to hear you're not alone let's talk about anger spiritual abuse and crippled religion as I sit down to write this, I am so unbelievably angry. I'm angry because I've spent my life trapped within a, within various ideological subsets of Catholicism that sub that subvert autonomy, critical thinking, and reason itself. Very interesting. I just uh. The part here that says, uh, spiritual abuse, uh, is a link, and I just clicked onto it, and it led me to an article, uh, which I, uh, I say, which I'm gonna read later on. I think this is gonna be, this is part of, uh, to help us understand what Steve Skoczek is saying here. Let's talk about anger, spiritual abuse, and crippled religion. As I sit down to write this, I am so unbelievably angry. I'm angry because I've spent my life trapped within various ideological subsets of Catholicism that subvert autonomy and critical thinking and reason itself. I'm angry because I don't take another second. I'm so angry because I can't take another second of clericalism. And by that, I mean, I'm a member of by that i mean i'm a member of the ordained clergy so you can never never speak a negative word about me and i get to order you around and do whatever i want you i want to you because my god given authority <clears throat> wow that's a, that's what that's what clericalism means he's right about that i'm a member of clericalism and by that i mean i'm a member of the ordained clergy so i so you can never speak a negative word about me, and I get to order you around, and do whatever I want to you because of my God-given authority. That's that's what clericalism means. I'm angry because I bought into this stuff, like my maternal life depended on it, for most of the past forty years, and it did it did damage to me over and over again. I was. You, I was used to. It, it was used to manipulate me. It was used to make me feel guilty. It was used to make me fall in line. It was used to capitalize on my fear of of offending God, and ultimately, of eternal punishment. It along it along with some other issues stemming from my childhood, made me afraid. And perpetual fear, often manifests as chronic anxiety constant um constant anger the anger i'm talking about isn't the righteous sort i'll be discussing today but the sort of that aimless destructive rage that that seeks to inflict our inner pain on others our help our helps us or helps us to overpower our fear of others being angry with with us think of the child who is afraid to express his feeling to his parents that he can only do it when he's when he's so angry that he's screaming multiple multiply that 10 uh, ten t- that well, multiply that times a lifetime the relentless presence of though of those emotions in my life seemingly without connection to any immediate cause hurt me psychologically damaged my health and worst of all caused me to treat people I love very poorly inexhaustibly so I lashed out at them I have existed in a constant state of pain uh, a pain avoidance f- uh, uh, for so long that I can remember that it that makes you incredibly selfish it's a miracle that I have received so much forgiveness I did, I didn't deserve it, but I'm so I am grateful. I am angry because this isn't just an abstract conversation for me at, at this time. It's concrete. I was spiritually abused as a young man by a priest in the church, and I suddenly find that it's happening again when I thought it was far behind me. My young, inexperienced, and frankly arrogant pastor has overstepped his canonical authority and denied sacraments to my children, a baptism for my soon-to-be-born son and First Holy Communion for my eight-year-old. Why? Because my family hasn't been physically present at our parish uh, enough during COVID for his liking, even though there's a dispensation in place. He has reasoning reached entirely without a second of consultation with me, is that he's not sure my, ch- my children are getting a good Catholic upbringing. He has never so much as once reached out to, to myself or my wife to express his alleged concern and had to be chased for months to get an answer about such sacraments in the first place. He knows nothing of our our observance at home or why we're not there. He's merely taken it upon himself to issue declaration based on solely his own rash judgment. Well, if he's a member of the parish, why not? I mean, you know, this is me now talking. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. If, 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 if Skolczyk is a member of the parish, then just check up on it. Ask uh, people around. I mean, he could have done that. I mean, it's not impossible. All right, let's continue. I'm angry because when families attend his little parish, more than half of them have to sit packed into the parish hall telling their children to kneel down in front of the all-powerful television screens on which the Mass is live-streamed from, the chapel, and it's been this way for years, since long before COVID. In his view, it appears to be okay that the bishop kept us in this situation for far too long in a highly dangerous neighborhood where one of our priests was murdered, another one shot, and even our present pastor assaulted, although his request for help fell on deaf ears until very recently when an old, neglected, closed-down parish was finally offered. We were told from the pulpit that we should be so grateful to the bishop for allowing us to have the Latin mass out of his great beneficence, as though the bishop has a right to say no, and that we should generously give money to his appeal instead of putting it into a much needed building fund. The message was clear. We should sit like dogs begging for scraps from the table and like it. I like how he tells it like it is, but somehow Live streaming from home with the bishop's permission instead of live streaming from the parish hall makes you a bad Catholic. I'm angry because this isn't some modernist priest, but a priest of the FSSP, an order I have promoted for many years. People love to tell you, just find a TLM, meaning traditional Latin Mass community, if you want to escape the madness in the church, but that's a lie, as many people have found out in various ways, and of course our pastor knows that he's the only game in town, unless you count the SSPX, which he believes is completely invalid option. In fact, he's gone out of his way to make sure others. Who have left his parish to go to the SSPX knew they were no longer in good standing in his eyes and could no longer receive sacraments from him. I'm angry because he thinks this gives him power and leverage. Instead of making his humility, making his humility an example absolutely paramount, I'm angry because he refuses to apologize for how atrociously he's handled this and my discussion of the matter with his superiors indicate to me that the situation will likely never be satisf- satisfactorily resolved. And even if, we're, if it were, the results of having to do battle over so basic a need will leave feelings of begrudging and continuous hanging over what should have been a joyful occasion. I'm angry that I had to fight this battle in the first place, it's bizarre to think that it's happening to me when we should have ha- uh, when 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 what should have happened was actual pastoral outreach from a man who who, who has eaten at my table and is ostenably concerned about my soul. The best we got was a vague demand for a meeting sent through the, his secretary with no explanation as to why. Even though we asked him multiple times when he finally did answer, months later, he insulted us as parents and as Catholics and declared that his decision had been already been made. I'm angry because I no longer even want to make an effort to work uh, with clergy who act this way. And that leaves me up to Sacramento Creek, uh, up the Sacramento Creek. Excuse me. I'm angry because 24 years after I escaped the Catholic cult known as the Legionnaires of Christ, where I was lied to manipulated in spiritual direction. I'm still dealing with this clerical hubris and my family is now being abused along with me. I'm angry because I have been so conditioned to respect and demur the catholic priests that my refusal to allow my family to be abused in this way and my subsequently forceful objection to this absurd injustice feels like an act of outrageous rebellion somehow i've gotten it in my head that anyone who has a grievance with their personal treatment by a member of the of the clergy who are not actual predators must either lie down and take it take whatever it's done to them or only whisper their objection in their in the meekest of terms standing up and saying no feels like an unforgettable sin i'm angry because at times i find i'm worrying more about the rules concerning whether i'm allowed to baptize my child myself whether this constitutes a case of necessity than about the fact that i am in this predicament i have been i have been In a rules and regulations cult my entire life. An idolatry of the law. I am terrified to break those rules even though his refusal is a direct violation of canon law. I am angry that my big hearted eager boy Liam. Who already missed his first communion last year because of COVID. Is going to go without it again this summer as he approaches nine years of age. While everyone... While every pro-abortion Catholic politician in this country will be allowed to receive, after all, the only discipline in the church is for those who are struggling to do the right thing and figure out how to navigate the crisis of faith. The current state of faith is inflicting on them. Those who brazenly defy the church are allowed to do whatever the hell they want with no temporal consequence. All right. <clears throat> Stop right there for a minute. That is quite amazing. I mean, think about it. He's—I didn't know that—that that he was a member of the Legionnaires of Christ, and they, um, Martial, Martial, the uh, the founder, abused them, and he was a sexual predator, and he um, he even abused—he fathered children. He fathered children. And then he sexually abused those very children he fathered. Unbelievable. Um, they it's a sad, it's a sad thing. It's a f- extremely sad, sad case what he has here. It's terrible. Um, you know, you know, he, he was in there for many years and then he got out of it, and then he finds himself again dealing with a snotty uh priest who says latin and they were stuck in a bad neighborhood a horrible neighborhood where they um they actually had a priest murdered and then assaulted and then you know it's just and then he he couldn't have his kid baptized, um receive holy communion last year because of the shutdown and now he may not receive holy communion again and this priest was invited i didn't now that part I didn't get to earlier. But the priest had dinner at their house. I think I know what's going on here. This is my my conclusion here. I could be wrong because we're gonna there's still a lot more we have to read here. But um <laughs> he I think there's an ego thing. I think because he's he's an intelligent man. Um, Steve koskogic he's very intelligent he's very opinionated he's obviously you could tell by the way he writes he you know he he's quite a philosopher you know in his own right and he's quite an apologist and i think I think there's some jealousy I think there's a little bit of jealousy I don't think the traditional um traditionalists because before in the past, before in the past we didn't have like I mean, the only one who was allowed to be an apologist was someone like Fulton Sheen who appeared on TV and and defended the faith and spoke up. But I think the traditional, I think those who are um, these traditionalists, I mean, looking at the priests, I think they have a hard time with a lay person who is an intellectual. They have a hard time with a lay person that can think for themselves and have their opinion. I don't think, I don't think they're, I don't think they're used to that. They're used to the old... They're trained... These guys are actually trained in the old classical method of of trying to to stand out. They can't handle... Because I know I have a friend of mine, when he tried to be... Tried to teach catechism and be an apologist. A priest in his parish literally was almost in competition with him. They don't like... I mean, this is probably true in both ends, a sort of Norris as well as the... Um, the the, tra- the traditionalists uh, they just don't like parish uh, lay people that are that are as theologically and philosophically as smart as them or know the faith better than them they can't handle that all right let's continue. Um, okay okay so we read this part let's go back and read this part again i'm angry that my big hearted and eager boy liam who already missed his first communion last year because of covid is going to go without it again this summer as he approaches nine years of age while every pro-abortion catholic politician in this country will be allowed to receive after all The only discipline in the church is for those who are struggling to do the right thing and figure out how to navigate the crisis of faith. The current state of affairs is inflicting on them. Those who brazenly defy the church are allowed to do whatever the hell they want with no temporal consequence. As I look outward away from my personal life, I'm angry about a great deal that's still happening in the church. The ongoing corruption, the bishops who don't give a damn, the deeply troubling Pope, and the way so many Catholics are lining up uh in tribal locksteps behind anyone who says what they want to hear, even when there are winning signs that they should not be trusted. To make matters worse, there's a segment of the com uh the commentite that cra- caches in on those hot button issues, whipping people into a frenzy for clicks and profit, taking them on a roller coaster from one outrage to another, discard and dissent are a cutting industry, uh, cunning industry and, and business. It's booming. I've done this too, thinking it was my duty. It's my hope that I've left it in the past. I'm angry because I feel as though we, we've we all been abandoned and left to the wolves. And it's incredibly frustrating to watch as people turn to this increasing uncritical tribalism to feel safe. Or conspire theories to explain things. Or well, even in some cases, an explicit desire for the end of the world so that the madness will finally cease. I'm angry because... My entire identity, my entire life has been ex- exclusively intertwined with Catholicism. And as all of this collides and comes apart, I feel as though that identity is being flayed from me. One stripe of flesh at a time. I am angry, but, pe- but perhaps even more sad because I have begged God to help me find my way through all this mess to do the right thing and to hold on to my faith. But I get no perceptible, perceptible answer. And I don't know where to go from there. I'm angry because people think I shouldn't tell any of this to you because apparently we're supposed to be, we're supposed to keep everything bad that happens in our faith, a secret abuse, corruption, crisis of faith, Serious questions about certain things, certain teachings that seem false based on real evidence. You, you'll lead ourselves astray, they tell you, as though the problem you're reacting to were uh, were of their own making. As though adults are infants with no agency of their own. As though the real scandals aren't the problems, it's the people scandalized by them who are I know of many of you. Many of you, I know, many of you have stories like mine, and you're angry and hurt, lost and confused, as well. How I got here. This is uh, titled the fir- this paragraph here. I am a cradle Catholic, born into a family of cradle Catholics, and yet the Catholic Church I grew up believing in turn out to be a joke. The Church of the Second Vatican Council was in many respects an entirely unserious affair that it's a wonder I held onto my faith for the 27 years I was trapped in it. It It was a given during my entire childhood that Catholicism itself What's hostile to the Catholic who practiced it? The adults in my life would trade war stories about liturgical abuses, or what crazy thing a priest had said from the pulpit. They'd shake their heads as they, as they discuss how that great seminarian who had, who had, uh, um, that great seminarian we had over for the. Barbecue had take had been kicked out for being insufficiently liberal about homosexuality We talk about which parishes were okay, which ones were generally solid and Which were to be avoided like the plague? Most parishes wound up on the avoid list Obviously, it was given that the the church was an absolute mess and that the only way to really survive it was to actively pursue whatever islands of orthodoxy you could find in that cesspool. At 14, I almost lost my faith. I knelt in front of our hideous tabernacle on the plush blue carpet to the side of the main sanctuary and told God, that I knew he was supposed to be in there, but that so few people who went to church really acted like it, and that made it pretty hard to swallow. If you want me to believe, you have to help me, I said. When I was 15, my kind elderly pastor, one of the good priests in my life, Invited me to go to World Youth Day in Denver as a representative of the parish. Despite my doubts, I was actively involved for my age. I was an altar boy, an elector, and my pastor hoped that I was that I had a vocation. I was treated to a mass where the priest commended everyone not to to kneel during the consecration and said in his remarks at one point, Jesus, he or she, as the case may be, Jesus, he or she, as the case may be. I can see why he was losing his faith. (laughs) Several years later, when our auxiliary bishop asked me after a meeting if I'd ever considered the seminary, I looked at him in the eye and said, have you ever been to your seminary? He tried immediately to tell me it was getting better. I didn't believe him. I hate that. I hate when, when people like that want to push, really want to like push the idea of, of a vocation without finding out if the person had strong faith. I mean, just because you think he has faith doesn't mean it's strong faith. It doesn't mean even it's a vocation. It's a, you know, it's almost like they want to force the reality to be true. It's it's really stupid. That's really wrong. I went to World Youth Day in Denver and my eyes were really opened to how bad things were. I witnessed how some of the priests who came with us were in the hotel hot tub every night. Wow along with bikini-clad chaperones. I have no idea who was attracted to whom, and I don't really want to know. I was presented with an absurd theological argument against respecting the Eucharist. I sat fuming as Christ was played by a woman on the Stations of the Cross. I think I remember this. Yes, yes, which launched Mother Angelica's most famous tirade. I was abandoned along with a few others at the papal mass the one thing i came for because i wanted to stay to receive communion it was hot and dry folks were getting dehydrated and the diocese decided to pile everyone on the bus and leave without us we had to walk 10 miles back in that same heat to get home Wow, well, that's uh That's real appreciation there, right? It was one of the earliest memories I have of how doing the right Catholic thing often leads to negative repercussions from the Catholics who run the church. That's a pretty good one. That's what I mean why he's very good of how he says things as they are. So doing the right Catholic thing often leads to negative repercussions from Catholics who run the church. Very good. Around the same time, I got involved with the aforementioned legionnaire, of, legionnaires of Christ. One of their priests, a cousin of my uncle by marriage, started taking a bunch of us boys, myself and my cousins, on retreats. When I was a fisherman in uh, a freshman sorry a freshman in high school sorry in high school, for the first time in my life, I saw the aesthetics of my orthodoxy chant incense or adoration Eucharistic reverence and so on. I actually considered the priesthood at the same, the Legionnaires priest invitation. I left my home in upstate New York to work at a summer camp in Texas in 1995. The camp was held at a Legionnaires of Christ school while there, I met one of the priest's nephews who was my age and we became instant best friends. I decided to go back to school for my senior year, which the priest who ran the place encouraged. I wound up living in the community with the priest and seminarians stationed there that year. It was at that point that they started trying to exert undue control over me. They were not happy for example when i started dating a girl in my class who i'd fallen fallen for I, uh, they started trying to tell me it violated our agreement pertaining to my div- my living there even though no such agreement actually exists i was 18 and in love so i wasn't about to take to, to let them take that from me but then the vocational pressure started and it never let up. I was told by multiple uh, legionnaire priests that they knew I had a vocation to the priesthood. I, I was scrupulous, anxious, and insecure kid, and I was terrified that this might be true. I wanted to make God happy, and I wanted to make these priests that I looked up to so much happy. But I also knew I wanted a wife and a family. Wow. I graduated from their school in nineteen ninety six, but I was still on their hook. Uh, on their hook. By this time, I was deeply involved in their work. I helped run their youth groups. I went on their missionaries' trips. I was the first American young, uh, young men's team captain of their lay apostolate, R- Rignum Christi. Uh, I was an excellent recruiter for the cause I wound up giving a year with their co-worker volunteer program during my summer formation retreat leading up to their uh, assignment they convinced me to go into seminary they convinced me to go into seminary there was still there was still all this talk about knowing I was I had a vocation but the brainwashing being done on their program was too obvious to me And it bothered me then my girlfriend whom i would have married the day after graduation if my impulses uh her heart weren't attached to a a semi-prudent head showed up for her brother's religious professions our relationship was in a kind of stas she lived in dallas i lived on the other on the other end of the country and we both had to figure out college. But when I saw her, I cracked. They finally let me go, primarily because I was starting to cause a disturbance among other seminarians with all my second guessing and critical thinking. That kind of thing isn't allowed in a cult after all, but they told me that I still should consider the vocation. They were trying to straight jacket me with and possibly even come back into to rejoin the seminary later it was the spiritual equivalent of giving a fish a little bit of slack in the line to wear some of the fight uh, to to wear some of the fight out of him so you could reel him back in when he's tired that's really bad really bad that's really I, I mean, I've heard things about the Legionnaires of Christ, and it's sad. They sometimes seem to be that they do good work, but it appears that their founder, Marcel Martial, is too much in their DNA. He's still too much a part of them. Um, it's like that. In a sense, yes, it is like an occult, sadly. It is an occult. And the founder's thinking, mannerisms, nature, personality, um, is too much a part of them. It's too much a part of who they are. That, you know, they, they use his manner of tactic, his manner of thinking. Uh, still, it's a part of them. It's a part of how they relate to people, and I think it's a sad fact. It's a sad, sad fact. It's a sad um, reality. Um, they wanted to force him to believe that he had a vocation. With without, I mean, it seemed like they wanted to ignore the spiritual and just say, "No, he's he's got to he's he's got to become a priest." No you got to find out first if he really has the faith i mean he may be a believer he may ha- he has the faith it doesn't mean he has a vocation it doesn't mean he has a vocation to the priesthood it doesn't mean he has the vocation to the priesthood it doesn't matter you know if he if he's st- strong in his in his rosaries it doesn't matter how much he believes in the, in the real presence, it doesn't mean God is calling him to the priesthood. And people, you know, this kind of thinking uh, is a kind of thinking that you, almost like the way a family uh, in one of the, like the Middle Eastern culture I grew up with, are gonna try to force you to believe that you're gonna, that you're gonna marry that young woman and that you should marry her because she's good for you. You know, like in Islamic culture, it's very bad. That's not the way you do things. It's like you're completely blocking any other thought out of the person. And you're putting this thought in, this thought that was never in there. You're you're, you're shoehorring it through. It's ridiculous. It's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. I can see. I mean, wow, I didn't know he went through this. Now you get to to know someone more. You find out. You really get to respect them. Um, You understand where they're coming from. And I understand his... uh, uh, you know, you know his. I guess you could say his sarcasm a little bit. I understand him a little bit, but I respect him a lot now. Um. Okay, let's continue. I spent the next six months in Dunwoody, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, living and working in a house of apostolate, of apostolate, and there, teaching seventh and eighth grade religion at their school. My superior, Father John Hopkins, was a nasty piece of work. Wow! (laughs) The kind of guy who would take off his Roman collar in traffic so he could scream at other drivers without them knowing he was a priest. Wow! But he was also a gifted charmer. The ladies of the Rignum Christi loved him. He was a hustler for for the cause. He also lied to me repeatedly in spiritual direction about my girlfriend whom the rules said I was allowed to stay in contact with she was receiving psychiatric counseling for a childhood trauma well and he told me that since the psycho psychologist was a member of the movement and a friend of his he talked to him and was and was told that if I contacted her it would set back her therapy i Doubtfully complied because I was sincerely concerned for her well-being, even though I missed her terribly. Month after month, he would give me an update, tell me it was still too soon. She would later tell me that her psych- psychiatrist flatly denied having her, having spoken to Father Hopkins about it. Wow as it would have been a violation of patient confidentiality. She also revealed that she had no restrictions on her social interactions whatsoever. When I went home for Christmas, I was miserable. At the urging of my new parish priest at home, I decided to tell the Legion I was leaving, thinking I was the problem because of my vocational anxiety. Father Hopkins who had once disgust, disgustedly accused me of poor inter, inter, um, a poor integration because I dared to question uh, a directive that was sketchy, activated a campaign to destroy my reputation within my peer group inside the movement. My girlfriend's mother got a phone call within the first two days of my departure. My friends across the country, uh, across the country my Uh, Many working in their own apostate as volunteers, just like me, were told how I wasn't generous and and was a fallen soldier and how they didn't know the whole story of everything I've done. They were closing ranks. They wanted me on the outside. Wow. Fortunately for me, I having good taste in friends, Every single one of them stood up, stood by me. But the legionnaire betrayal was devastating. I had looked, I had looked to them as the, as a father, as a father figure. I was desperately seeking at that critical moment of my life. I had trusted them implicitly because I was raised to do exactly that. Their systematic, uh, 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 style of of categorizing of my every connection to their organization work and the people I'd come to know over my years of involvement was brutal. This, after they essentially taught, taught me that there was no more righteous way to be a Catholic than to be a member of their movement, left me feeling totally unable to connect with God. It was like being excommunicated i had become spiritually codependent on them and they had utterly rejected me for leaving emotionally i i alternated between numbness and depression i was probably in some kind of shock although my feelings for her had really been uh, had really been i really been the thing that had helped me leave their their clutches my relationship with my girlfriend ended that summer, with the realization that we had an excess of chemistry, but a, a dearth of substantive connection, I never saw her or spoke to her again. I spent that summer working along physically taxing days with, with a friend in North Idaho, trying to get past what I was feeling. But I was in a rough shape. In college, at Franciscan University of Steubenville, I tried to heal. I tried to solve my, solve my wounds, but I was broken. The betrayal hung over me, as did the vocational anxiety, which I just could not escape. They'd done a real number on me, convincing me that not, not wanting to be a priest meant I probably had a, uh, I had a vocation, but I was just fighting it. Many of my friends and acquaintances from the movement wound up there with me. Wow. Over time, I started to realize I wasn't the problem. The legion was. I started piercing together pattern of corruption that led to many young people being left broken. In the same way, I was, I was but often much worse. I came to the conclusion that the founder of the order must have been the problem. Uh-huh. At, 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 at about the same time, allegations of his monstrous sexual abuse started to go public. To be clear, I was never sexually abused, nor did I suspect it. This was before the big 2002 uh, revelations of clerical abuse, and it was unthinkable to me. But I had been spiritually abused, although I didn't recognize it at at the time, and I knew something was deeply wrong. I spent a lot of time during my four years at Franciscan of fighting their recruitment offers. In 2001, near the end of my senior year, I wrote about the problem of liturgical irreverence on campus and elsewhere in my column in the school newspaper. I was attacked by the university chaplain in the final issue. I I was never warned that this attack was coming, nor given an editorial opportunity to respond. It was a knife in my back. As a graduate from the very school that had taught me most of the theology I knew, I left feeling dejected and betrayed. Once again, I had attempted to fight for the faith, and once again, I had paid the price for it at the hands of its custodians. The year after I left, I was contacted by David uh, Morier, a Franciscan who was doing an investigation into legions activities on campus. He seemed truly concerned and said he believed that they used the sacraments to gain access to good Catholics and that they'd stop at nothing to protect and advance their agenda. His investigation was eventually stopped by someone higher up at the hierarchical f- uh, food chain where it was passed off to a group at Ave Maria University led by the late Professor Charles Rice, who was, whose son was also in the Legion. That investigation results was given to Cardinal Ratzinger not long before he became Pope and may well have had helped lead the discipline of their founder. This year, Father David Murray himself stands accused of raping and, wow, carrying on a three-year sexual relationship with a mentally disabled female. Ooh, he was counseling. Everywhere I looked within the church, there's a trail trail of bodies. You can trust precisely no one. When I found traditional Catholicism in 2004, I thought I'd finally discovered A safe haven. This is the last this at last is Catholicism that makes sense. It was historical, it was reverent, it was liturgically and theologically sound. It started I started reading and not only did I become compelled, I got angry. I saw what had been stolen from us, saw the bad actors swoop in and change everything, saw how the problem went right up to the papacy and how the faithful had been incredibly damaged by what followed. And so, finding solace at last, I've spent the past 17 years of my life as an apologist for traditionalist Catholicism. The most recent uh, recent is seven of which have been devoted to to founding and running 1 Peter 5, which was for a couple of years at, l- at least, the most read traditional Catholic website in the world. I thought I had long last found my place. But during that time, I have gradually come to realize that if the post conciliar church I grew up in isn't really Catholicism, traditionalism isn't either. Instead, it is an ideological mask, more identifiably in the shape of true Catholicism. It is in some respects, a long-running live-action role-play in which participants act what they think Catholicism looked like in the good old days, while perpetually running down any kind of Catholicism or Catholic who practices it. That isn't traditionalism, but it is essentially an affection, an attempt to reconstruct and live within a historical context of, that no longer exists. Traditional Catholicism does exist in a sense that all history exists. The traditional Catholic liturgy exists not just historically, but even now. But traditionalism as a movement is an ideological, uh, you know, I guess you could say ideological Xbox Lake as a as a novelty. It's not historical reality because it's merely a reaction to modern invitation. Let me try to explain in another way. No matter how many old movies you have on your DVD collection or how often you watch them, you can't go back to the time and cultural context that forged them. Okay, that I can understand. Any attempt in the present to make something like Casablanca or the Manchurian Candidate, or insert your favorite here, will essentially fall short. It will be a reproduction that apes the signature characteristics or dress decor, modes of speech, vehicle and so on, or of another time. Similarly, a a Civil War reenacting club may help keep the memory of that history alive, but it doesn't make that history present. At the end of the day, the actors put away their muzzle, their their loaders, change back into their normal clothes and drive home to their modern dwelling with electricity, indoor plumbing, and internet. Without present day church, with that, without a present day church that not only allows but actually li- lives the traditional Catholic ethos. Traditionalism remains akin to the DVD collector or Civil War, Civil War reenactor or recreation out of place. Time meaning to justify its own existence in the present as a nostalgic apparition. It no longer has a context that gives, gives it a place at the heart of the church which is the only place it could ever truly belong. It cannot exist as a preferential option and it's and be still what it what it once was an essential and so traditionalism though it, it retains real treasures from the past that enliven the faithful today becomes a predominantly ideological a version of Catholicism that remains in constant tension with and sometimes open rebellion against the only institution that can give it life the very Catholic Church that discarded it—it's a paradigmatic uh, uh, crippled religion. A paradigm. Uh, I'm sorry, it's basically a crippled religion. It's a word here I'm not used to, and that's a problem. And I think I understand what he's saying. Take a look, for example. Uh, this is me now talking. Um, let's look at Orthodox Judaism, okay? Orthodox Judaism, uh, or let's say the Hasidics, if you live in Brooklyn, New York, or anywhere where you see the those particular Jews with those big fuzzy hats that they wear on sometimes on uh, on Saturdays or Friday evening, you see them, and they have their prayer shawl over them, and they got those long uh, uh, hair locks; they call them payas. That is Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Judaism. It's alive and well, but it's Orthodox Judaism in the present, not Orthodox Judaism of the past. They're alive. They're a live, functioning religion. The problem, I think, what he's saying is, is that many of the um, people... People within the traditional movement are, now I'm not going to accuse all of them, but I think a lot of them are trying to bring, turn back the clock to, they keep talking about the way things used to be. You can't go back to the way things used to be. The church is not, the institution itself is not what it used to be. It's a present-day institution. It's a present-day Catholicism. And the fact remain is, it's not a Catholicism. It's a Catholicism out of sync, I think the best way to say. The faith is still alive. But everybody keeps talking about going back. It's one of the things I think there's an article by uh, Father Rippiger where he talks about that the Catholics who go to traditional Latin math, the so-called traditionalists. Uh, and I think that's the problem is the word traditional. I think it has a lot to do with the problem of what we call traditional Catholicism. The question everybody has to ask, what is traditional Catholicism? Are we talking about Orthodox Catholicism? Or are we talking about the Latin Mass? But we keep putting traditional bit right in front of the word Latin. You can't go back. If you keep trying to turn back the clock, uh, I like it. I think it was uh, J.R. Tolkien who said that. Nostalgia is good. It's a wonderful thing, but nostalgia can become pathological in itself. And that's a negative thing. That's a bad thing. So I think, this is this is where the traditional what's the so-called you have to get rid of the word traditional and maybe you have to replace it with orthodoxy because for because even GK Chesterton he doesn't talk about traditional he never uses the word traditional he talks about orthodoxy and orthodoxy is correct believing all right it's easy enough to see if you look at it objectively traditionalism is, um, in my experience, is often attracts an unrelentingly toxic and negative sort of person, particularly online. But this filters down into the real world, too. Everything that is seen as non-traditional is perceived as hostile, even malicious, since it, since it has no authority structure of its own. No governance, no recourse to anything but old documents interpret however the, le- the reader wishes to read them. It gives rise to autonomous collections of mini-popes, all of them reve- revealing in their duty to speak truth to power, analyzing anyone who astoundably professes the same creed to death, searching for every gotcha moment in which they can be brow- browbeaten, being insufficiently pure, or to recall the scoffing words of that malignant little uh, critten Father Hopkins, Ha! shows how integra- inte- integrated you are. The same mantra is repeated countless times a day in a trad come boxes and social media, Ha! and you call yourself a trad. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Anyone still involved in the post-conciliar church, whether or not it's any fault of their own is reduced by this kind of person to an epithet like neo-cath or modernist. The purity spiral comes, comes for us all. And there's nobody, nobody trad would rather eat alive than the other trads who have fallen short in some way. I've never endured more calming, more, Virtual, more outright enmity in my life from any group of people as I have from certain members of my own group, and all of it is in response to imagined deviations from this or that dogmatic opinion held by which ever mini Pope was standing in judgment that day. To give a recent example, I watched in complete uh, amazement as. Rabato de DeMatti, a global traditionalist, a pro-life leader of the past 40 plus years, and widely respected church historian who literally wrote the book on the revolution of the Second Vatican Council was similarly dismissed as have no credibility for arguing that the Vatican's position on the moral permissibility of the COVID vaccine is a consonant with her constant moral teaching. These people... All need to read Darkness at Noon and not as a how-to guide. Interesting. I, I don't know anything about that book. I know I've heard the name of the gentleman. So he was dismissed. A pro-life leader. Okay, widely respected church historian who literally wrote the book on the revolution of the Second Vatican Council was s- summarily dismissed as having no credibility for arguing that the Vatican's position on the moral permissibility of the COVID vaccine is in consonance with her constant moral teaching. I time okay. Well, well, I'll figure out about that book later. Okay, Roberto Dematte. Uh, I know I've heard him. I, I think Taylor Marshall mentioned him. Uh, I believe Church Militant also mentioned him. Um. Yeah, he's he's a. Uh, He's a trad- he's a traditionalist. Uh, he goes to a, uh, I, don't, I don't like using the word, Orthodox Catholic, you know. Um, but uh, the book Darkness at Noon, I don't know anything about that book. I just looked it up. It's a, um, I think it deals with someone who uh, spoke up against the communists. But it's interesting. Um, everything he's saying is true. And I think we really need to uh, step back and realize that much of uh, Catholicism is out of sync. I mean, really, it's like, it, you know, it's really a mess. Um, seriously, it's a mess. Everything that's going on within the church now is a mess. I mean, he's right about that, that the those who want to go to the traditional Latin Mass really are not doing much. I mean, to, like I've said before, they don't talk to people. They don't really, they're not really living the faith. It's like Father Ripperger said, they are in their own private world. And all they do is, it's like that, that part in Psalm 1, they are scoffers on the, way, on the sidelines, casting stone at others. And then those who are in the, Novus Ordo Camp Um Wow. Um, they're they're basically like it's like going it's like someone going into a department store and trying on any ridiculous outfit <clears throat> that is available trying on everything. It's like they're putting it's like someone who puts on all the different clothes that don't match. I guess you can say you can imagine like Father James Martin running through a, a store and trying on everything and, and 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 it's like he's got two different high heel shoes or something. <laughs> I don't know why I brought him up, but it's it's basically the 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 modernist is is anything that looks spiritual, Never mind if it's theologically out of sync, you know, anything that's, is it, 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 spiritual. It's like, you know, anything, try anything on that will get the party moving. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You know, you go to a, a you go to a Latin mass, uh, a, not Latin mass, a modernist mass. They got liturgical dancing, they got a, a, a bunch of uh, a gay choir a cappella. they got um, uh, a Buddhist statue in the cor- one corner, you got uh, Ganesh on the other corner, uh, you got, um, um, you know, Mary, uh, maybe you might have a, 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 an Orthodox statue or icon of Mary in one corner, but it's everything and anything that goes. You know, you listen to the, you listen to the liturgy and it's father, mother, God, it's Jesus, our brother and sister. It's not Catholicism. It's, it's a, it's Catholicism out of whack. Then maybe you might want to go to the other side, maybe in Queens or Brooklyn, and you might attend a decent Norris mass, right? And then maybe you want to go to Midtown Manhattan and you want to go, you'll go to a, a Latin mass. So you got, you got a Catholicism that's all over the place. And, and the leadership seems to be okay with that. All right. I sometimes feel as though in my own work, work, on my, on my own work, I've all, all I've been doing after day after day, year after year is staring into the abyss that is the Catholic Church in the 21st century, and pulling out monsters to display in public. See, do you see this twisted evil thing? This is what's going on. We have to stop it, but there is no stopping it. It is an absolute radioactive sinkhole of abuse, corruption, cronyism, perversion, heterodoxy, much of it concentrated around the Pope himself. We have no power to change it it's enough to make anyone despair and some have broken under the pressure there are in there are any number of examples but perhaps most obvious are those who invented bizarre conspiracy theories to explain things away like the one about how none of the present papal crisis is really happening because pope benedict hadn't really resigned and was still in charge and a handful of bloggers had decoded his secret signals telling us all oh, would, would be revealed. It is equivalent of a child sticking their fingers in their ears, closing their eyes, humming a tune, and chanting, No, not listening. This, this is, it should be noted, the exact same kind of childish thinking that led people to keep saying Trump was going to suddenly pull it off pull off a Dios ex machina reversal of the election months after the results were in. That he would surprise everyone by returning triumphantly to office while the imposter who stole the presidency from him will be led away in handcuffs. It doesn't matter. If you voted for Trump and wanted him to win, just as I did, it's absolute nonsense. A um, decisive break from anything even adjacent to reality and yet that is the exact kind of political thinking that that traditionalists have begun mixing with their religious dogmas two arenas have become inseparable over the past year or so i came to a point where i just couldn't do it anymore I came to a point where all of this crippled religion was threatening to exciptiate me, choke me. I kept trying to find hope so I could offer it to the sincere seekers who rarely left comments or social media replies, but would send pleading emails about what to think of all that was happening. But I started finding that hope was slipping through my fingers Burnout set in. I've been I've been on this damn merry-go-round since at least 15 years of age, just in different iterations, and God was not coming to the rescue. Every time the Pope crossed a new line, nobody thought it could cross without being struck down. The belief that there was a false fail-safe or any of this grew a little dimmer. Every time a bishop or cardinal spoke out against what was happening, only to reiterate long before any action took took place, the same feeling grew. Nobody's coming to save us, not even God. That's not the kind of thinking you're allowed to think, but I couldn't stop thinking it. When Archbishop Vigano offered his testimony about the cover-up of Ted McCarrick's sexual abuse, as one of the most powerful cardinals in the church, I thought maybe we found someone who, who would do something. He certainly seemed to send the rats scurrying on with each additional piece of information. When he added his incisive critique of Vatican II, I thought maybe we were seeing an answer to our prayers. I was only too happy to publish his thoughts when the opportunity presented itself, but the COVID hit and the, and the world went insane. Vigano quickly turned Turned into the Catholic QAnon, squandering his prophetic role for a more reliable job as a pundit. He started offering comments on all things political, even as he failed to produce The additional documentation about church corruption, he seemed to hint at possessing a poor scientific grasp of etymology was was no impediment to his pontification about how this fake pandemic was a tool of the New World Order to usher in the Antichrist. Oh, and only Trump could stop him because that's aesthetically sound. But Vigano spoke with conviction against nefarious and unidentified global powers, and that was enough to earn him a slot at the top of every traditionalist speaking list. Although I published a number of his earlier pieces, I remember coming to a distinct point where I couldn't in a good conscience do that any longer. Some of what he was saying was simply wrong and turned out to be a big, bright, canary in the COVID mine, Like the rest of the secular political landscape, COVID conspiracy theorism has become um, inexhaustibly intertwined with mainstream online traditionalist Catholicism, and its dogmatic axioms are no longer up for, for discussion. Under pain of, of excommunication, 17 years of thinking that traditionalist Catholicism was the bold answer to what ails the church. It became startlingly clear to me that it was perhaps quite the contrary. It had real roots in timeless truths, but as a movement, it was only a collective construct put together by a bunch of justifiably disgruntled people to resist damaging changes in the Catholic religion. that's resistance has been op- operating for half a century and hasn't been changed changed much. Summer on pontificum freed the old mass and things got brighter for, for a time, but it's always under the threat of being suppressed again. The rot in the church set in, in the trajectory worsened and traditionalists spun their wheels they set about the i don't know i don't know this word task of trying to convince the church to go back in time pope francis gave them a focal point for their fire but they got cocky they got way too political and now as a group i think they've lost their way they they also can't stop eating each other alive While I'm typing this, my cautionary posts about the completely uncritical adulation being thrown like laurels at the feet of particular imprudent, overly political priests are being betrayed with negative comments by precisely this sort of person. I've had something like 700 comments in the last 24 hours alone. My appeal is historical precedent of celebrity priests who appear orthodox but turn out to be bad actors as a reason to proceed with caution are being scoffed at as though I've announced that the moon is made of cheese. I've come to the conclusion that I can no longer reach people. I can't break through the tribal walls and maybe it's just not my job. But as a group, I don't think we want to do, be- to, do to, to do better. We are begging to get our asses kicked again and again and again because we refuse to learn anything. We don't want to do the work of becoming the change. We want to see, we want a, sa- uh, a savior. And so we latch on to everyone who sounds like what we think is a winner should be. Carrying them around on our shoulders treating them like heroes, even if we know next to nothing about them or just, or the skeletons that their closets might hold. Wow. I have to admit, he's right about something here. I mean, Vigano, smart, he knew something, but I don't think he has anything. I don't think he really, unless he does have it, he just hasn't bothered to, to put it out in the public. I think, honestly, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think, I, I really think the only answer is our Lord. The only one who could fix this problem is God. I think looking to this person as a hero or that person as a hero or this person as the answer or this person has, knows where the skeletons are buried. No, I don't think so. I think vegano ha- has a voice and you know, he says some interesting things, but the truth is, I don't think if he does have it, let's say he does have some files or know something. He probably is a little scared to use it. He could be also scared. Yes. Maybe he, maybe he has to wait for the right moment. I don't know. I mean, we are a house divided. Let's face it, Catholicism is at a messed-up stage right now, and the hierarchy on top are just as are bad, and the and the and the people below within certain camps, the traditionalists do eat each other. They, they they devour each other. You know, each one wants to be the the, the true t- traditionalist, and there isn't. All right, let's continue. For me, being a lifelong card-carrying member of crippled religion has led me to an existential crisis. I have been betrayed, maligned again and again while trying to remain faithful. I have put my faith in things only to be left in a worse situation than what I started. I have been relentlessly attacked for saying unpopular things i believe are true because i think the true the truth really matters and should prudently be said even when it's costly and as i look around me for spiritual consultation against those with whom i share a creed i mostly see shallow superficial appeals to to rules regulations ideological beliefs basis and Axioms, as though these are the subtract from which the real faith is nourished. But this is a lie. I have to be honest. When I look at the, the Catholic Church, I feel this weird sense of displacement. Like when you drive by a place you used to live, but see someone else's car in the driveway, someone else's stuff in the yard. It was a home. But now it's not, you know, very, you know, every detail, but you're not allowed inside. I no longer think I see God in the institutional church in, in many, if not most cases, I'd struggle to see the efficiency of his grace in many of its adherents. Don't get me wrong. All of my best friends are Catholic. My family is Catholic and I've met lots of great Catholics along the way. But many of the worst, most twisted, most um, vile people I've ever encountered are those who hold themselves up as paragons of orthodoxy and faith. It's a pasture infested with, with wolves in sheep's clothing. And there is no shepherd. He's right. He's absolutely right. Uh, this is really, I mean... I'm glad he he wrote this because it's the truth. This, this we got a serious problem and it's worse than it has, has ever been. I think Pope Francis, ever since he came into the, the, the papacy, really it has only, uh, catapulted, gotten worse. It's like an infection. It's just gotten worse. And I do believe that Christ will Christ will 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 fix the problem i do believe that in order for us to see how bad things have gotten to see how bad things are it's like people are in in self denial all right both the the people in the novus ordo camp are in self denial people in the um the traditionalist camp are in self-denial. Everybody who has chosen their little tribe is in self-denial of what's going on. And we have to solve this problem. We really do. Um, anyway, let's continue. When I was told last week that my young children would be denied sacraments for totally unjust reasons, something inside me finally snapped. I have fought for this absurdly broken, self-contradictory, overbloated, uh, corrupt religion uh, since I was old enough to know how to think. I studiously avoided the hedonistic pleasures of youth enjoyed my, by my peers. I devoted my life to spreading and defending its teachings, I have been driven to the brink of leaving, on multiple occasions, only to swallow my pride, stomp on my doubts, and come back again, ready for another beating. Worst of all, I have allowed myself to be cowed by the message of the church when its presence, uh, when its presence itself, when it, when it presents itself, in the language of an. An abuser. You don't like how I treat you? Well, tough shit. You know where to go. Uh, you, you have nowhere else to go. You think you can find salvation somewhere else? Ha! You'll go to hell without me. You have no choice but to stay here and do whatever I tell you. You'll put up with whatever I do to you. And if you complain, it will only make you look like a fool, a deserter, an integrate. You're stuck with me, whether you like it or not. You can never leave. Some of you may have endured much worse abuse than I have. I have little doubt you've heard this insidious voice as well. About a decade after I left the Legion, I ran into that little weasel Father Hopkins at a fundraising dinner. I was a grown adult married with two children and twice the man's size, and yet... I was afraid to confront him over what he'd done, afraid that somehow I had misinterpreted things and would all turn out to be my fault, afraid of making a scene, afraid of standing up for myself and demanding an answer for why he refused to treat me with respect and decency and with confidence that I was not wrong for doing so. Afraid because he was a priest, and that's not what we do to priests, my limiting belief still held that much power over me. When my pastor said no to the sacraments last Friday, I found myself back at that dinner pretending not to see the man who had used me without a second thought, and when I realized I had a chance to correct my failure to say something which I still regret, I pushed right past the fear. I let my pastor have it with both barrels. I told him he had no right, and that bearing an apology for that speculatory, insulting pastoral failure he had just perpetrated, we had nothing left to discuss. I went back and forth with him three times without so much as, and I'm sorry. I finally had said I finally had said it and showed him how easy it was to do. Dear Steve and Jamie, I realize now that I came across very poorly. I have been made I have been under a lot of stress lately, and I didn't handle this matter with delicacy. With uh, it requires for that. I want to apologize. I recognize that I've offended you, and that was never my intention. As your pastor, I'm concerned about the spiritual well-being of your family and would like to see if there's any way I can help. Would it be possible for us to meet sometime this week? It's that easy. Father, that's how you handle a situation like this pretty basic stuff here if you can't bring yourself to do this we have to do we have nothing left to discuss. that was two days ago still no reply Now yeah, that, that would have been it would have been nice if he handled it like that but that's not uh, that's not what happened. all right continue I then wrote essentially the same thing to his superior after I received a somewhat dismissive communication from him about my concern, it's been another 24 hours. And I have not gotten so much as an acknowledgement of uh, of, uh, of my email. So I'm going to move on. I don't want what they're offering anymore. I'm not going to be a part of a system where they have all the power and I have to bow and scrap to get what I need where my wife and I get to be insulted and talked down to by a child in a collar while we're the ones expected to fall in line and follow orders if we want to smooth things over where my children will be subject to the kind of thinking that will perpetuate this problem in their own lives. I I, I'm being penalized by the church for having a crisis of faith. The church caused in the first place. Well, pardon my saying so, but F that. I'm not going to say the full word, but all right. I know I said the uh, shit word, but that's about as far as I'm going to go. If there's a God out there who actually loves me, I have yet to really come to meet him through the ministry of the church. Oh, I've known good priests and seen good glimpses here and there but really my entire life as a catholic has been about god as being big brother who watches keeps score and waits to punish if i was raised if uh uh, punished sorry hold on to punish if i don't dot all my i's and cross all my t's that's the god i was raised to believe in and it's been about rules and regulations and scrupulous observances and defense of the latter of the of the law ever since as though that's what real virtue looks like a good friend of mine who has been struggling with faith said to me yesterday i hate to say this but it risks sounding t- tirade but i don't think you have you have ever really been catholic and peeling off this false thing made made false things is the first step to finding out who you really are i i i actually am discovering that i do believe in god and all that and i think he's trying to fix you maybe he is i hope so because I cared about all this so much I made it my whole life I put it before my family and friends I was so invested I thought it was my dream job I risked everything I had in a material sense to rush to the defense of the church when I thought she was at her darkest hour and I've lost everything I had anyway in a spiritual sense which was not at all what I expected. I look at photos and videos of myself when I, st- when I started in 2014 versus photos now. I look like a kid then, but now I've gained a lot of weight. My beard has turned white. I've lost a lot of hair. My, fa- my, my face looks much older. My voice has deepened. I suddenly have a high blood pressure. I am unbelievably tired and stressed out all the time. I've lost my sense of meaning and purpose. And I'm left standing here holding the broken pieces of myself, older and more brittle and less re- resilient and unable to put myself together again, to take yet another beating. I've done, I'm done with crippled religion. Crippled religion will ruin you. Peterson says that crippled religion is like religion that's missing an arm and a leg, but can't still, but can still hobble along. It provides a certain amount of security and group identity, but it's warped and twisted and demented, and bent. It's a parasite on something underlying that's rich and true. How do we get to the underlying thing, the one? that's rich and true. Does it really exist or is it just a layer upon layer of ideology holding the thing together like endless coats of paint gluing together a bunch of rotten boards? I hope to find out. Maybe my friend was right. I never really was a Catholic. Maybe if God is trying to fix me, he'll show me the way to be a real one. Maybe I need to, to unlearn everything i thought i knew so i can learn something new something better i'm not sure how that's going to work in a church where i'm just a nobody and other people call all the shots but i'm open to being shown i'm just not going to take the abuse anymore oh there it ends there Uh it's, you know, this here, there's someone here giving a comment. I want to read it Let's see what it say. Dear Steve. All right. I've signed up to write this comment. So I hope you, I hope you read it. I'm, I'm not going through something like what you've have, but I have intense OCD. Not from Catholicism. I'm a convert and it has made life rough. I can therefore identify with your suffering. I'm just a layman. Maybe in in your case, that's a plus. I have a few suggestions I think may be helpful to you. One, I know when I converted that the rad trad stuff was unhealthy and I was blessed to get good spiritual director to teach me. Ignatian spirituality. I went. I want to put. I want to be blunt. You're in spiritual desolation right now, and you need to be very careful about changes you make in life. Even though I may actually agree that you need to get out of rad, radical tra, uh, traditionalism, get out of get 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 out of the online outrage sphere of constantly reacting to the latest, Pachamama gate or whatever. This desolation is why you can't see grace operating anywhere. If you're not read uh if you if you're not read, read, read you know read them yet, please read St. Nation of spiritual exercises and Father Timothy Gallagher's discernment of spirits. The evil spirit, which in addition to supernatural entities, can also be our own. Um Woundedness, stress, tiredness, etc. bites and saddens, weakens our effective ability to serve God and robs us of peace. The good spirit eases, removes obstacles, increases our effective ability to serve God and give peace. Unless you're um, hopping from mortal sin to mortal sin, which I doubt, this is how the effective movements of your heart, not your head, Will work. And, and, and Ignatius says strongly that you never want to make a major spiritual change during times of desolation. Please read the books I mentioned for a clear guide on how to discern and act contrary to the evil spirit's suggestions. Two, I sometimes um, recapitalize my woundedness in the light of Christ's wounds. Notice that. After he's resurrected, he keeps the wounds. Only now they have a new meaning. I think that's something to meditate on. We can't wallpaper over our woundedness, but with God, there is a way for them to be transfigured, to take on an entirely new meaning. The church, the ecclesia assembly is wounded, but it must be this way as the head of, has gone so must the body follow three consider the parable of the lost sheep i've always thought that the shepherd was reckless leaving the 99 in the wilderness to go after the one but apparently that's god's style then it hit me that many of the things i dislike about the novus ordo and such this is actually appeals to some modern secular types in my life what i consider as a, I can't pronounce the word here, cheesy homily or song, actually speaks to these people. I've seen it warm the heart of my uh, agnostic wife. I know that it's reaching at least some people. If I I took her to a traditional Latin mass and quoted a 19th century scholastic manual um, at her, she'd just run away. You said there is no shepherd. This must be how the 99 sheep felt alone in the wilderness while the shepherd goes off to get the one lost sheep. Could that be what's going on in the church today? There is no shepherd because he's out searching for the one lost sheep. This Pope has said many things troubling to tracts, which appeals to much of the loss. I've read all the Francis letters and cyclicals, and if you have Not, I highly suggest you do so as well, starting with Gautet Exultiat. My Latin is bad. Four, things you should take a good hard look at professional lay Catholics on the internet and see how healthy their faith is. Look at Taylor Marshall or Patrick Coffin. To me, it seems highly likely that their path ends in apostasy or even atheism it's unhealthy but it gets clicks and feeds the family hmm interesting i learned the hard way not to tie what i what i love to my income i was in love with my college major until i got a job in it and my ability to pay the bills suddenly became became tied to to that thing i know i now detest my college major and a uh, active um uh, actively turn people away from studying it after that experience which i'm thankful for i never want, want, want my ability to pay the bills tied to my catholicism i understand that you use this website to support your family but you may want to consider the occupational hazards finally please consider the role of god's providence in your life I have reflected much on my own suffering. And I have realized that through it, God was giving me something. Your experience with the Legionnaires and even with the Tradism are not accidental. The wounds are real. The relationships are real. The experiences are real. And they were all prov- uh, providential, provided to form you in some way. I cannot say what I don't No, but the wounds can be transfigured and taken on new meaning. Your experiences may have given you hard, one, wisdom, but what an unhealthy image of God is like so that you can caution others. I don't know, but please reflect on God's providence in your life. Peace. Well, it's, I think, okay, I'm not going to read all of them, but that's actually a very healthy way. And um, I mean, I still like Taylor Marshall uh, and um, the uh, other stuff, the, the other person he mentioned, uh, Patrick Coffin. I don't think Patrick Coffin and Taylor Marshall are leading to apostasy. I think the problem is, is that Marshall is a classical man. He, you know, he loves, I mean, he's been searching for that. He Grew, he um he spent some of his life in Anglicanism, and I think his problem is that he wants he wants to give his family an authentic Catholicism, and the problem is maybe he has in his own mind what a thing uh, what Catholicism should be, rather than what maybe God's view of Catholicism. You know, he loves. He's a traditional, he loves traditional stuff. He wants to live in a traditional world. Patrick Coffin, I don't think is a, you know, I don't think any of these guys want to go into apostasy or atheism. I don't think so. I think that's very wrong to think that. I think it's also unfair. But the problem is we are all divided into different tribes and that is a problem. And I think that the answer to that is we have to go back to the gospel. We have to go back to what the gospel says, and we have to stop thinking. We have to stop think, uh, going back and try to put ourselves in the, in, uh, the pre-1963 traditional Catholicism. That's, we're not going back to that. We can still be Orthodox Catholics, but trad has to stop. And the problem is, I think, is that the shepherds of the church permitted these things to happen, and it has to stop. There's no easy answer. There is no uh, easy solution to the whole thing. But I like at least what this person wrote, and it's something to consider. All right, I'm going to end it here because this is, this thing has gone long enough. And I know I'm going to go to his other article, uh, which I think is important, um, the second article. And we'll go from there. All right. God bless. And uh, I'll be back soon with another one.